Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and I have a returning guest today. I have Bart Weiss with me, and he is the founder and artistic director of Dallas Video Fest. Say hi, Bart. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. So we had you back in March. We were talking about the 24-hour video race. All right. And so, yeah. That seems like so long ago. It does. I had to look back through. I was like, I know we just talked, but when was that? The, the months have flown by. Um so today uh, we're talking about DocuFest, which is also a part of Dallas Video Fest, and uh, just kind of wanted to hear from you to talk a little bit about the history of that festival and what it's all about. Sure. So um, this is our 31st year of doing Dallas Video Fest, and for most of that time, like 29 years of it, we would have something between, oh, 80 and 100 um, films that we would show over the course of um six days or seven days or eight days. And we would show, you know, documentaries, drama, experimental films, video art installations, you know, quite a, a lot of material. And then last year I decided to split out the festival into its components. So in October coming up this week on Wednesday night, we have DocuFest. And for DocuFest, we have just one theater, somewhere around 15 or 16 films, series of short films. And at no time do we have two films going on at the same time. And then in February, we'll have Alternative Fictions, which is uh, sort of an intersection of traumatic film and television and other things like animation and things like that. And then in the summer, we will have uh, our program called the Dallas Medianale, which has uh, a performance video and uh, single channel video and video art installations and things that are a little more on the aesthetic edge. Um, so, so um, coming up, we have, we have DocuFest, which starts at the um, Texas theater on Wednesday night with um, two really great films. Um, the main feature attraction is the great Buster. And if any of you out there remember seeing Buster Keaton films, we've all loved the Buster Keaton films. There's something, truly, truly remarkable about him. And and today, as I was just looking at some of the film again, it, it really reminded me how similar he is to Ernie Kovacs, somebody who we at the festival really kind of love and cherish, because both Kovacs and Keaton used what the camera can do to achieve their comedy. So um, is, instead of doing like tricks, they would actually use like what the camera could see, choice of angles and things that they could manipulate, which are really kind of wonderful. Um, and so the film by Peter Bogdanovich 
goes through um, his life and sort of the major tragic things that happened to him. And of course, we get to see lots of great clips and you'll truly understand them. But we have this incredible short before that film. And um, this is uh, a nine minute film called Moments in Truth. And in Mm -hmm. a sense, it is a film that sets up everything else we're going to see at the festival. Um, It was made by a wonderful filmmaker named Chuck Workman. And Chuck has done a lot of incredible montages. Some of them have been seen in Academy Award shows and things like that. But he's, he's just this incredible filmmaker. And he took essentially the history of documentary film and boiled it down into nine minutes. And it gives you, like, this is why we do the things that we do in these documentary films. So um, you don't want to miss that. And uh, indeed, all of that will be at the Texas Theater. Um, and then, if you don't mind me just ranting, which I'm totally oh, go fine for it. Yeah, no, this is great. Um, then on Thursday night, we move to the Angelica. And um, the rest of everything else will be at the Angelica Theater. That's mm-hmm. the one on Mockingbird, not the one in Plano. And, and our opening film at the Angelica is this wonderful film called The Atomic Cafe. Do you, do you remember seeing this when it came out in the 80s? Uh, I think I was born in 83, oh, so I think I, I, think I was a little too young. Okay. <laughs> so um, this um, was kind of the first film that used archival mashup to sort of make a point about, uh, about the world. And in this case, um, they use footage from these old films about uh, – about the nuclear war and about the atomic bomb and ducking cover, which, and, mm-hmm. and there were all these ridiculous things where somebody would say, Oh, after the bomb, we'll just wait a few hours and then we'll come up and we'll, everything will be fine. And, and this sort of culture around what the great fear of the atomic age was, is really put to this really incredibly funny film and it's an incredibly dark film about what it was like to live in those times. And um, there were three people who made this, the Rafferty brothers and Jane Loader. And Jane used to live in Dallas, and she is coming back to Dallas to be here for the screening. Oh, that's great. And um, she is a dynamic personality and somebody that you um, that you absolutely want to see. Um and uh, then we have this film called Being Pr- Frank, the Chris CV story. And uh, this is about this, this guy who is like a young musician and filmmaker who created this character that you might have seen, this guy with a big paper mache ha- uh, face called uh, Frank. Um, and it sort of took over his life that Frank was everything that he as a musician wasn't successful and funny. And um, aside from being a really great story about this really great character, it's really incredibly well done. All the interviews have this mojo and then that is really kind of an amazing thing. And, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a great ride. And then moving along to um, to Friday night, oh, Friday day, before we can even get to Friday night, Friday day, we have these free panels on uh, the law and um, and film, uh, particularly about um, a fair use and something that uh, a lot of people are very curious about, like when can you use material for fair use and uh, be street legal? And we have some uh, really good lawyers with a lot of expertise who will be talking on these uh, issues, and that'll be really great. But then at seven o'clock, 
we have a film that is we've gotten a lot of buzz and a lot of uh, fascination uh, called Run Like the Devil. I don't know if you know this, but there's this Senate race going on. Have you <laughs> I think heard I'm a little bit that? familiar with this. <laughs> Yeah, so, definitely. I'm excited about this one. Yeah. So Steve Mims, who's a really great filmmaker, somebody I've known for years and years, teaches at UT. And um, so he followed this campaign from its very earliest of days. And um, I think um, this film really gives you a, a, a better insight into what's going on in the campaign. Mm. And um, so, uh, yeah, that'll be a, a fun uh, thing to see. But then the film after this is, I'm going to say this like 16 times, one of my favorite films in the festival. Oh, awesome. So when 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 I was a kid back in the 60s, there was this TV show that I didn't even know about. And I, I'm really pissed at myself for not knowing about this. And the show was called Soul. And um, it was sort of like if there was uh, something like The Tonight Show, that was for African-Americans, but had this really incredible interviewer who was really smart instead of snarky and <laughs> also had great taste. So there were all these great musicians who had their first appearances on television as part of the show. And not only musicians like Stevie Wonder and just a lot of great bands, um, but also um, dancers and um and poets and it really sort of brought african-american culture to the forefront of america this show was broadcast on pbs for uh, several years and um this film is just it's really magnificent and and it makes you say like darn why didn't i watch that show and it was on and uh hopefully some of this material will be brought back but it's one of those things that it's it's really it's it's a film about a TV show that nobody ever heard of and everybody should have heard of. Um, so I'm not going to talk about every single film, but let me hit just a, a few more because it would take way more than 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> so obviously as part of this year's festival, we're coming right up to the um, to the midterms and dealing with the political situation, which of course just got a lot worse last week. Um, right. um, so... I found this compilation of independent filmmakers, mostly documentarians, who created a piece called Filmmakers Unite. And I'll let you think of what those two initials might be and what that might mean. <laughs> Love it. Um, so this is a compilation of short films. There's a film from uh, Alan Berliner, one of my favorite documentary filmmakers, Jay Rosenblatt, and a lot of other really good uh, uh, filmmakers to sort of deal with this moment. Um, and there's one about the cartoonist, Mr. Fish in there as well, which is really great. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's a really great compilation of short films. And by the way, we have this short film block that has some of the favorite short films that I've ever shown in a festival, including, um, do you remember when um, the University of Texas system had, had the, the the policy about closed open carry or closed carry that the students yes. could carry guns mm -hmm. and I don't know if you remember this but at the time there was a group of people in Austin who thought oh well to protest this how about if we just carry dildos 
<laughs> I love this story. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to see this. So that's called Come and Take It. And it is really great because you get to meet the, 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 the people who started this who really were not what you would traditionally call activists, but they mm-hmm. got into this in this really fascinating way. And it's a really, it's a really good story. There's a film called Black Sheep that comes from The Guardian. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentaries from The Guardian but they are very, very good. This one has not been released yet. And I can tell oh. you that all of our judges like this one a lot, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Lottie the Silhouette Girl, which is this wonderful film about Lottie Ronniger, who made uh, uh, Prince Ahmed, if you've ever seen that. It's a very famous 20s uh, animated piece. It was extremely influential. But this film is not only about this very important person, but it's done in this very beautiful way. They found her voice to tell this really powerful story of her life. It's it's a really stunningly beautiful piece. Like I said, as a compilation of shorts films, these are all really uh, amazing pieces. Um, Yours in Sisterhood is another film that I really like. You can tell I'm excited about all these films. So um, uh, this film is about the early days of Ms. Magazine. Um, I don't know if you ever read Ms. Magazine. You're probably too young for that. But uh, this filmmaker, um, Irene Lutzig, um, she got a hold of the letters to the editor that were written for Ms. Magazine. And none of these letters were published. And there were you know thousands and thousands of letters. And the thing is that Ms. Magazine was very important, particularly for people who lived in small communities, small neighborhoods, because they didn't have anybody else to talk about what feminism meant to them. And so what she did is she went to the same places where these people were and had new people reading these letters and then reflecting on what that meant to them, that experience meant to them. And it's really, it's an incredibly powerful film. And then as the film kind of moves along, you start to see some people complaining, we love the magazine, it's really important, but how come there are no stories about African-Americans? How come there are no stories about lesbians? So when talking about its power, its influence, and what it meant to people's lives in these very compelling ways, it also talks about some of the limitations of this sort of first generation of feminism. Um, But it's a very, it's a really, really wonderful film. And then we have Red Roll Red. Okay, so... You know, there's been just a little bit of discussion about uh, sexual misconduct. And in this case, maybe by some people in high school. You know, you maybe heard yeah, about Yeah, I think some I might of- have heard about this. Yeah, <laughs> might be on the news a little bit lately. So this film is slightly different, but it's sort of deals with an issue of this high school in Ohio where uh, some football players had uh, sexually abused this woman. And what's special about it is they posted about it on Twitter. So this is- I think I remember hearing about this too. Yeah, it's a very like powerful and sad story. And um, how this community deals with their football players because they all love their football players. And in fact, at the end of the film, the coach of the football team says, well, I don't believe them. Even with all that proof. Just, all the pictures and videos you just talked yeah. Right. And does that sound familiar? It does. And it also kind of, when I was reading about that documentary, it was reminding me a little bit of like what kind of happened in Sandusky too. Yeah. Uh, just the way that a community reacts when it's someone that they 
when they're pillars of the, a community, when they're somebody people look up to, it really you can really see from uh, the reaction, uh, even with the evidence, it sometimes it feels like it just doesn't matter. And absolutely, yeah. And it, it, the film's just really well done. I mean, it's it's kind of like a crime film documentary, but done in an independent way, not like something you would see like on a television show or something. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's at that's 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 really good. And we're still on Saturday. Uh and then we <laughs> end Saturday night with um um this again from um my years in uh, high school and college and beyond. I was really into jazz and Blue Note Records is kind of like the criterion for jazz music. All of the greatest musicians, Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, uh, Monk, Mingus, all perform some of their best work on Blue Note Records. And this is a documentary about mostly about the people who performed on them and the two people um, who were Jews who, who um, had fled Germany from the Holocaust to, um, and they started this label and what this meant to them and how they were able to shape a label that was had a profound influence on on the culture, and then it also talks about how they were able to take after they the two of them passed away. Um, Blue Note was able to maintain edginess by starting to go into hip hop in its own interesting way, and not in the way that the rest of the culture did. So it, it's I think a very powerful film. And if, if you're at all a fan of jazz, just seeing some of these performances are, um, are just truly, um, truly amazing. Um, and then we move on to Sunday because there's uh, so we have two short films, uh, kind of long short films from a guy named Chip Lord. And you may not know Chip by himself, but you may have heard of a group called Ant Farm, which is was an art collective. And if you don't remember them, have you ever heard of Cadillac Ranch? You know, that thing where the Cadillacs are in the ground? Yes, yes, definitely. I've seen that. Okay, so that's Ant Farm. And Ant Farm had made okay. a whole series of videos, one famous one where they drove a car into a bunch of televisions, and they did a lot of other really important things. So Chip is the only one from that group who is still doing work. Wow. Uh, and so we have two uh, films of his that we're playing. We have a wonderful different take on uh, on a Holocaust film called 20... Uh, 209 Rue saint Moir. I'm, I'm going to mess this up because I can't speak French, in Paris. And um, this is the film where this filmmaker just picked this apartment building and tried to find out what happened to all of these people when they were deported. Um, and um, the way that she does this investigation and looks for these people and talks to people who live there and found the people next door and finding them is kind of an amazing thing. At one point, she's talking to people and she has she's has like doll furniture in the room and trying to get people to move the furniture back where it was so their memory of the space comes alive. And you can see in their eyes they're remembering what was there and who the person down the street was, what they looked like, what they were, and what their their story was. It's a really beautifully made film. This woman is is a novelist and a and a, and a, um, and a historian, and this is incredibly detailed and rich and nuanced film, and it's um, quite beautiful and quite evocative. Um, I saw it at the. Um, 
AFI Documentary Festival in um, in Washington D.C. and it, it's um, it stayed with me a long time. And this is a good time for me to do the pitch. I did a really great interview with her on my podcast, which is called The Fog of Truth. So if you go to thefogoftruth.com and look for episodes, you can find my interview with the filmmaker, which is really good. Then just a few more. Um, uh, 306 Hollywood. Um, oh my God. You'll never see art direction like this in a documentary film ever. Uh, what starts off as this film about this uh, brother and his sister who had made these interviews with their grandmother for years and years and years, and then tried to want to put these into a context and sort of find out what was really going on with that, with her. They, they really reconstructed her life by taking all of these items and framing them in the most innovative and exciting ways. There's, there's places where they have, they animate all of this stuff, like like a stop frame animation. And then they have a section where they have all these dan- these clothes that uh, her, her grandmother made, and they have like dancers dancing in the front yard. And then there's a shot at the end when all these clothes are laid over their house, and they have this beautiful aerial shot of it. It's it's the most interesting way of what some people would call B-roll and I would call it visualization of the ideas in the film and the obsessive nature of what things mean to help define character. Yet it's so incredibly beautiful. It's, it's really great. And then I'll just do one more and I've left out a few, but that's okay. I don't want to be going on for an hour. Okay. So the <laughs> last film we're showing, which uh, again gets to this idea of, of the time and what's going on in the world. And it's called Our New President. I don't know if you've heard about this one, but uh, it's a really crazy film. And I've I've seen a lot of films of mashups of different kind of ways. And I always like films that sort of look at the past, like the Atomic Cafe, which looks at the past and reworks it in a different way. Well, here Mm -hmm. we're not going very far in the past. It's really just, just before the last election. And this focuses on images, videos from Russia, from two places. One, YouTube videos made by Russians about how they feel about Donald Trump. And the other from RT television, which is Russian television made for America. And the, the, this film is a compilation of how Russians think of Donald Trump. Gotcha. Yeah, this that sounds really interesting. Just from the description, I I would be very interested to see that because I mean, just everything that we've heard about in the news lately, yeah, and just kind of looking back and showing, you know, clear examples. I think could help people sort of piece yeah. together what's happening now. <laughs> and and because what's nice about this, well, one of the many things that's nice about it is you get the official version of what Russia thinks about the United States in this sure. very fancy looking RT television, which looks and talks and its views are not that dissimilar to Fox News at all. I was going to (laughs) say, I had a guess. (laughs) Absolutely. But then you, you see what common people in Russia think about Donald Trump and how uh, it's, it's just, it's truly amazing. And there you have it. You have a whole bunch of incredibly great and diverse films, films of politics. There's films about artists. There's films about, um, 
just about anything you can think of. Uh, there's gay and lesbian films, one of which I did not, a few I didn't mention. But we have a lot of really great films. And there's never two films at one time. So you don't have to worry about which ones to see because you can see them all. That's so great. I, you know, on my podcast, it's called I Love That Movie. And so we typically pick a film that somebody really loves and grew up with. And because we do that, they tend to be kind of uh, films that are like family friendly or crowd pleaser, something that has a lot of memory and you've gone back and visited several times. I don't often get to talk about documentaries, which is another type of filmmaking that I really love. Mm-hmm. And I've watched a lot of, uh, of documentaries over the years. I really enjoy them and they can be so, as you mentioned earlier, it's just so artistic and gripping and just very impactful. Um, and I know last year I didn't get to attend all of Dallas Video Fest, but I did get to see the Hedy Lamar story in oh, theaters yeah. when it ran back in. And I, I have to tell you, when I saw that, I was like, I can't believe I missed seeing this the first time. And I was happy when it got on Netflix and it seemed like it it, it had you know an extra life after that. A lot of people on my Facebook, I had been trying to get people out to the theater to go see it when I saw it. And then uh, you know, it came out on Netflix and I saw people responding to it. I will say that I love watching documentaries in the comfort of my own home, but there's just something about being in a movie theater. Absolutely. And, and not only that, particularly for um, the Hedy Lamar film, having the filmmaker there and the discussion we had that right. night was just... Mm. It was really wonderful. I, I I remember that 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 night really fondly. And so some of these times of coming it and also seeing it with other people, we will have some very very interesting, thoughtful uh, uh, discussion after the film. That's the other great thing about having only one theater is I can do all the Q and A. So I enjoy doing that a lot. And um, so you just you will get the A team every every film. You don't get an intern who's saying, and the name of the film, what is it here? <laughs> oh, that's what it is. And uh, so, yeah, and um, and you'll hear why I picked the film and you'll have some really, hear some great conversations with the filmmakers who are here in town. It's, it's going to be a really, starting with Buster Keaton and ending with our new president and the journey goes around the world with every conceivable issues. We are reflecting deeply on the issues of our day and making you understand them in a way that documentary filmmakers can because the news only has like today's news to put it into perspective and documentary exactly. filmmakers yeah. give it the oomph and the, the trajectory that makes it make more sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. Your, your lineup, uh, you know, I read a little bit of it before we started talking and, uh, you know, so many that you highlighted, um, I was really excited about, uh, the great buster, yeah. uh, 2009 rune St. Mar, yeah. um, and roll red roll. I mean, those things are on my mind and, um, it's just really, it's just really great that you have these, this selection. You can tell that there's a lot of, uh, enthusiasm and passion into picking these films and just the fact that they're so relevant. It's just very exciting. Yeah. It's, you know, the, when we do alternative fictions, we'll be in a different place, but right now, mm-hmm. I mean, this last year, uh, politics has been very important to everybody. Every day there's something that you never thought would happen before happen. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I, I used to, you know, listen to all kinds of things in the car and now I listen to, CNN and MSNBC to find out what crazy thing has happened. Um, and I, I think it's our job as, as programmers and people who are working in the world of arts to 
reflect the, the issues that we're thinking about, the things that mean a lot to us. Um, and um, so our, our, our catchphrase, which will be on our poster, is uh, and our T-shirt. Our T-shirt will be really cool. Is cinema for change. And oh, I love that. Um, and I think that's very much where where we're at this year. Um, and um, next year, you know, maybe it will be about you know who knows. But um, that's the nice thing about programming. You can show things that are sort of in your subconscious, and uh, hopefully, people will um, enjoy them and discuss them, talk about them. And most importantly, what you hope when you program is that people will understand the world differently and think differently about things. And that's that's the real goal that we're trying to do. That's so great. Yeah. I and I will I'm I'm attending this weekend and uh, you know, I encourage everybody out there listening that's local, uh, please go out there and support this festival. Um, it has an incredible lineup. And where can they uh, find tickets for this? Okay, so go to our, our website, which is videofest.org. Um, and um, if you also you can go to pre-Kindle, which is our ticketing service, and search for DocuFest, and you can find us there. And when you go to our, our website, if you do, which you should, um, there are a couple things you can also do. I, I write a newsletter that comes out every Monday morning, and today's is already written, so you'll get it tomorrow morning. Uh, if you sign up, you go to the website, you can sign up for that. It's free, of course. And you not only can you hear about the things that we're doing, but I also generally talk about all of the films that are playing in around town and events in the film community that you might want to know about. But the other reason to go to the website is there's this button on the website called Aspart. And the Aspart button is like... Um, I like music documentaries. What should I go see? Or I can come Saturday. What should I go see? So if you don't know what to see or how to go to the festival or anything, you just don't know. I will answer every one of these questions myself. Wow. That is amazing. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, there are very few people that have seen everything and I've seen everything. So if somebody wants (laughs) to know what to see, best to ask me. And I actually enjoyed writing those emails because I try to think of like, what would this person like? How can I sort of put string things together that'll work for them? Oh yeah, and and, and I agree with uh, with that, and also um, the newsletter that you mentioned too. I I uh, subscribe to that as well, and it is super helpful. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's also you know I, I like I said I really encourage. Uh, my local audience to go out there and, and to go to this festival and to check out that website and your newsletter, because the, we're just so incredibly lucky to live in the Metroplex and have all of these events going on all the time. I mean, if you're a film lover, there's something almost every single weekend, just tons of things happening that are, you know, not only are you seeing the movie, but like you mentioned earlier, you're seeing the, uh, the creators too, the filmmakers and getting to talk to them. I mean, it's just an amazing opportunity, especially if you are a film aficionado or maybe even a potential filmmaker. It's just something that you want to take advantage of. I mean, that fair use um, panel. panel that you guys are going to have, that is really cool. So, yes. yeah. And, and let me sort of add something else to that. I, uh, I travel to a lot of festivals. I know a lot of people who program work. And um, 
what's really unique about this area is that, excuse me, we as programmers actually like each other and talk to each other. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and that doesn't happen in, say, Austin or San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York. Generally, um, somebody will say, I, this program isn't for me, but it's right for you. Or I'll suggest something for another festival that I couldn't fit in. And um, we serve on each other's juries. Um, I'll intro films for many other film festivals. And and we have this sense of cooperation that we really kind of like each other. And I'm going to give you a little tidbit that right now nobody knows about. But sometime in January, and I can't tell you exactly when because I can't tell you everything, the festivals have gotten together and we're doing, I think we're calling it Best of Fests. And so oh, each amazing. of our festivals will show one film that we really like. And over the course of like a week, you'll be able to get a sense of what all the festivals in this area do. And it's a really wonderful thing. And I don't know anybody else who does that. That is really cool. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I encourage people to go out and to see this stuff in person because you don't want to end up like me where I saw uh, that documentary the second time around theaters, but I didn't have that advantage of hearing from the filmmakers. And then I see it on Netflix and I'm just sitting there kicking myself going, why I can't go back in time and fix it. <laughs> so I encourage people to come out and to see these things. Well, great. Well, well, thanks so much for giving me a chance yeah. to, I mean, Obviously, I like talking about the films I program. Uh, yeah, no, really appreciate you for carving out some time to discuss that with us. And uh, and uh, yeah, and I want to direct people over to your podcast. What, uh, Where can they listen to Fog of Truth? In any place where you can get a podcast, we are at. Um, you can also go, if you go to our website, fogoftruth.com, um, there are two or three times when the, my, my partners, one of them, Christopher Llewellyn Reed, lives in Baltimore, and he's a critic for Hammer to Nail, which is a great website on independent film. And Summer Garber is lives in Los Angeles, and she's a co-captain of the Slam Dance documentary section. And so we have really great people, but we're in different places. So when we're together, we will shoot video of our podcast so you can actually see what we look like. Um, oh, great. So there, um, we have a few examples of those. And Chris and I were both in South by Southwest, so we, we did a couple there as well. And um, so, yeah. Um, and also, one of the things that I think is great about our podcast, aside from just what we talk about, um, are the the show notes. Uh, Summer, who does the, a lot of the producing work, re every time we talk about something, she will have a link to where you can find that film and where it is in the context of the show so you can find it and that's just really incredible i like wouldn't have time to do that but it's helpful when you're listening to something and you're done you're saying like what did they talk about can i hear that again absolutely yeah show notes are very important <laughs> yes absolutely so we got a show to open up in a few days and there are just a few things to deal with um, I'm sure. No, thank you again for uh, for taking out some time to talk about this and uh, appreciate you. Hope, hope to have you back soon at the next festival. Great. Love to. Yeah. Thank you very much. 